Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Mitch Michaels, Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohen here on Tennis Bets Live. It's a YouTube show, Twitter show, Facebook show, and podcast, and we're breaking down the ATP Finals, the final Tennis Bets show of the season. We have a lot to discuss as the semifinals are set, which we weren't sure was going to be the case when we did this show. Uh, Zachary Cohen joining us from the bottom portion of the screen. Zico, it's uh, an interesting finals. There were some twists and turns, but ultimately... The top four seeds advance, and uh, we're getting some heavyweight popcorn matchups. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how like random this event is and how random the WTA finals are, but it does feel like we got the best players in kind of both of them. And yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, we get a Djokovic Alcaraz in the semifinals, which I do think will kind of bring out the best in both of them, even though we maybe haven't seen it lately. So I'm excited about that one. And Kenny, as the semifinals are set, it's the top four seeds with with seeds three and four winning their groups. It's been since 2020 when that's happened. Uh, it's not a common occurrence, as you've pointed out, but we got here. We got to the top four, and the group that we thought would be more straightforward actually was the unpredictable one. So who would have thought that as well? Yeah, and, and like Zico said, I mean, it is. I am excited about these matchups and any combination in the final I think it's going to be very exciting obviously I, I I mean we'll get into picks but we could have uh, a fire cracking affair between uh, Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz I think that's what everyone wants but uh, you know Djokovic Medvedev match a rematch like I mean there the, the possibilities really are endless so it is nice that we got to the even though the seating didn't really work out the way that we thought it would nice that we got to the the top four and we'll see just how much Novak Djokovic wants to give uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, last week or earlier this week, I should say, Zico, you talked about betting a number, which we can get to later, and sometimes you just have to go with that. Uh, it wasn't you know, easy. It wasn't by design, but Djokovic is into his 12th ATP Finals semi, uh, 12th out of 16 appearances, needed the help from center in an epic match against Holger Runa that went down to the wire. But here's Djokovic again into the semifinals, needed some help to do it, but number one player in the world back again where he belongs. Yeah, we've all kind of disagreed on this all week with Djokovic's like you know motivation at this tournament. And I know he said the other day that he doesn't really care. <laughs> I don't know if I believe him, which I put in my write up for tennis.com on this match. I know that he was saying like things like that after the match, but I do think that was kind of in regards to what was going to happen with his seating. I don't think that he actually didn't care if he's out or not. I just think that he it was out of his control whether or not he'd be in the semis, and he was just sitting back and watching. We talked about Hubie also too, right, Kenny? Like Hubie was a guy who was fighting down the stretch and can be a little annoying to play. So I wonder if that played a factor. It's not It's not really fun to play Hubie Hercotch and go into all these three sets and tiebreakers. Yeah, especially on, uh, you know, probably the quickest courts of the year, according to the players and even by the, uh, the, the court speed index, you know, in years past, this has been one of the three fastest courts. So I'm sure that facing a server like QB indoors is not very fun for Novak, and he probably did not want to give as much as he had to give in that match to win it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to what Zico said, there's been much debate between us three about just exactly how much Novak cares. 
And it sounds silly to say in sports, you know, because obviously it's, it's not as if he doesn't want to win every match that he plays. That's why he's the greatest tennis player of all time. And uh, really it has not been very debatable over the last year because of the ability of him to elevate his game into his late thirties. Uh, but you know, there are certain priorities and, he, he did he did sort of say it, it was relating to the matchup between Runa and Sinner because he Prakash our Prakash Armitage asked him he's gonna be watching but I do he did sort of say something I believe about that he's made the semis so many times here that it's you know it, it's a nice accomplishment now the fun begins now you know he, he could he could start to get settle some scores against some players that have had his number and uh, we'll see we'll see if he he turns it up here but I'm still sort of uh, skeptical as to how dig how deep into the tank he's going to dig to win these matches? I think it's a fair question. He's going to have to dig deep, as we mentioned, playing Carlos Alcaraz, where that's where you have to dig it all, because we're going to get to that match in a second, because he looked like he was back today against Medvedev. Uh, Zico, center beats Runa in an epic match. He's won his last seven against the top 10, so we'll see if this goes, but wins the group, looking good at home, and is elevating his game for maybe the first time in his career against the very best. Yeah, and I keep kind of like fading Sinner saying that he needs to prove it. And I do think that if he wins this tournament, this would be him proving it. Like I would go into 2024 fully having him on the level of the other elite players in the sport. I was texting Kenny the other day, like if he gets this done or even comes close, honestly, like he's a guy that I do think could potentially win the 2024 Australian Open. So yeah, this is definitely Sinner's arrival. I said to you guys yesterday, um, I'd be really interested in hearing what Djokovic thinks between Alcaraz and Sinner, who he thinks is better. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, especially on these courts, what we've seen from Sinner is him put it together. And Holger Kenny was right there. He fought hard in that second winning it after the lopsided first set. Third set, he has a breakpoint look, doesn't get it done, and the margins in the sport are so slim. But that was a match that I know Sinner was already in the group stage, but you gotta he had to prove one. He had to he couldn't go 0-3 against Holger. He just wasn't gonna let that happen. Well, yeah, and I mean that's the thing about this event, right? Is that it does mean a lot to certain players. Uh, there are now in years past, usually the bottom couple seeds, you know, the Berrettinis, Norries, Schwartzmans of the world, they're just happy to be there. They're having fun. They get three twoed by Novak in the first round of or in, in group play. Uh, but someone like a Dominic Team years years back, or Stefano Tsitsipas, who beat Dominic Team in the final, Team of course beating Djokovic on the way there. There's plenty of young players who, you know, as as the greats capture their grand slams Federer, rafa and novak in years past you know they want to announce themselves that hey they're major players you know grigor dimitrov another guy years years ago so uh way too long ago we we feel very old at this point but it, it you know it is a situation where sinner absolutely wants to prove that he can beat everybody seven straight top 10 wins is nothing to scoff at that is an absolutely tremendous achievement and the zico's point 2024 Australian Open, I mean, Sinner indoors has been pretty much unstoppable over the last three years, but those conditions are going to closely mirror what we're seeing here. The court speeds in Australia, obviously, are very, very fast, and we saw what he could do on a fast grass court against Novak Djokovic, a, a Wimbledon court that hadn't quite slowed down. We, we listened on Tennis Channel for Nick to say at Wimbledon by that by that final weekend, the court speeds are absolutely perfect for Novak. He was like, well, just leave it at that. Um, you know, Sinner definitely with his power can hit through everybody on a fast court. So I think that's definitely a tournament where I'm looking to, to, to maybe back him. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of talks about that in the next coming weeks. But 
That is, uh, this is definitely a big occasion for him. I think this matchup coming up with Medvedev, a guy that he almost beat in Turin at the ATB finals a couple of years ago. I think he's going to want to win that, win, uh, win that match. And I don't see anything stopping him from winning this tournament. Yeah. And just winning some physical matches. I don't want to, you know, poo poo the, uh, which is a great argument. I agree with the court conditions and how it's suited for his game, but he hadn't won these matches before. Now he's starting to actually win them. So that's, Great to see. And, and he did so through injury, right? He was very injured in that last match against Runa. We saw him holding his back. You know, we never, him, we never see him injured out there. We saw Holger out there taped up. We saw a center holding his back. This is, you know, this is like Monty Python or something. Anyway, uh, the match this morning that kind of got us, you know, finalized the group. I, I'll be honest. I didn't think that this was going to happen the way it did. And we would have nothing to talk about with this Vera Rublev match. But. Alcaraz wins in straight sets over Medvedev 6-4-6-4 and clinches his ticket into the semis. Medvedev got that top spot, but or got that second spot. Alcaraz winning the group there, but we have Alcaraz, Medvedev. And in this match, Zico, I thought Alcaraz played exceptional. It was the first sign he looked like he's back to being the Carlos that took the game by storm. I don't think Medvedev played particularly poor, made a couple mistakes, some some big points didn't go his way, but this was well, well and above about Alcaraz for me. Yeah, I really liked Alcaraz here. I just thought that the difference in what the two needed to get into the semifinals, like, you know, Medvedev is already in, and Alcaraz really needed a straight set win like he got. I, it's really hard to discount that, and I don't think that the odds makers accounted for it. Um, but yeah, Alcaraz, I think the last two matches has looked close to the guy that has been unbeatable for the last year. So it's nice getting him going into this match with Djokovic, but I wrote it in t uh, for Tennis.com. It's also still the least trustworthy that Alcaraz has been in the last 12 months too. It's, it's not a sure thing back here. No. You wonder though, if he's going to Kenny Redline like this again, then he could just win the whole tournament. But today, at least for one match, this was everything about what you like about him, his defense and tactically how he attacked Medvedev's core position is what stood out the most. Yeah. And I think one thing at the U S open, and I did back Medvedev to success against Carlos Alcaraz as first of all, he was playing at an absolutely outstanding level, uh, Daniel Medvedev, but Carlos won, I think over 70%, if not maybe 80% of the serve volley points he played. And obviously that's a playbook that everyone is running now against Daniel Medvedev, but it really was working for him very well. He just really went to it one too many times in that third set. He was just to a painstaking end was going with the serve volley. Uh, and eventually Medvedev was able to find a way through. But when he's winning that percentage of points on the serve volley, there's just really no chance for Medvedev considering how good Carlos is at the net, his court coverage. It, it's just, you run out of ideas as to how to beat this guy. Now, the one thing I'll say uh, going into tomorrow, which we, we will talk about uh, Medvedev's prospects in the semifinals, but in that, in the first few matches I've seen Medvedev, it really resembles the 2019 ATP Finals to me. You do look at the amount of matches this guy's played. He's played more than anybody here. He looks tired. He doesn't look like he's having a lot of fun. Even when Zverev lost to him in straight sets, and I know we all know, we're still talking about it now, how he missed that volley at 4-1 in the breaker. We know he could have won that match in straight sets. You look at the way that even it went at the net, where Medvedev just had this expression like, I mean, he, you could have beat me today. You know, I didn't really play that great. And, you know, I'm not saying Medvedev's not playing really A-minus tennis for his standards, but when you look at the way he was able to beat Carlos at the U.S. Open and the way he beat Rublev from a breakdown in multiple sets, I believe, that they played, 
he he just had this he, he had this dominance of him that we've only seen a few times uh, or we, we've seen a few times rather at the Grand Slam stage from him. So um, I don't know if I really see that eight plus tennis or Medvedev right now. And we're talking about the ability to beat Carlos and really center the way he's playing. You know, you look at Djokovic, you look at Medvedev. They're going to have to have their A, if not A plus games, uh, to win those matches. And I, I don't really know right now if Medvedev's playing like A plus tennis for him. He said his his tennis yeah. was like what, an eleven or twelve out of ten after he beat Rublev on the court in his post court inter- uh, post match interview at the U.S. Open. Uh, I I don't know if he would really rate his tennis like that. Maybe a nine out of ten, but is that enough to win yeah. this tournament with the way that these young guys are playing? I don't think so. Yeah. Before we get to the semis, that's a good point I want to bring up made me think of something there kenny and i'll ask you first Seiko. medvedev as a player have we seen him or does he have that ability to just take mediocre level medvedev which is still great and then you know redline it and raise it because i don't know that i can remember in any of his runs him going from mediocre to great which you could say about Djokovic and alcaraz obviously i think the best you get from medvedev is when he's returning he can hit he can hit winners by you if you come to the net when he's really really yeah, on the yeah. yeah, and, he was doing and that's the thing. Even even at the U.S. So. Open, Zico, he was doing that against Alcaraz, and I was, I was like arguing with someone, like, no, he's really combating the serve volley very well, and then he was still losing like eighty percent of the points behind it. So yeah, I just yeah, I just don't know. That's Zico, cook. I was just I was just adding that to, to spice no, up his answer here for no, the for the listeners out there. I agree, and I just Zico, I just don't know that we're going to see Medvedev go from whatever his baseline level is, which I agree with Kenny isn't his best tennis. Is he suddenly going to play lights out against the very best? I don't know. I don't know if he can. Maybe he'll prove me wrong at least. My only thing with Medvedev today is I do think like it's really hard to overcome knowing that you don't need a win. And I kind of yeah. think that in the second set in that 4-4 game, like I don't think he tanked it, but I just don't think he cared that he lost it. Like I, I don't know. Like I got away from him, and I just don't think he cared. Like I, there, I were, just, there were moments. Yeah, there were moments in that second set where I thought Alcaraz was going to get the break earlier, and it just didn't happen. So I don't know. It's it's he interesting. Was better off, yeah. He was better off losing in straight sets because like we've said, he like he, he's such a defensive player, he's such a fitness, you know, important yeah. player that you know he needs to have a full tank in order to beat one of these guys in the semis. So I think he was better off just let, kind of letting it go in straights. Yeah. I just I don't know if he ever looks like he's really having fun out there, Kenny, too. So maybe it's hard to judge his expressions to know what he's really thinking. Right. Well, I, I will say as sort of the ATP finals expert that I, I like to I like to say right. I am, if you look at the way the 2019 ATP finals unfolded, uh, it was a very similar situation where Dominic Team, because of his big win over Djokovic, he did not need to win his third match. He almost it almost looked like he tanked the first set. I think Berrettini, he played Matteo Berrettini, who did not have a good ATP finals and was also exhausted from that wild run he went on over the summer he, he obviously went deep at the u.s open um it really took a lot for team to lose that match on purpose but he did seem to lose it on purpose 2-0 uh, but then he came back you know in the semis and beats vera pretty convincingly and played a really solid final against Tsitsipas. it is tough to snap back in after you know you don't have to win and then you have to win again but i, I do feel as though medvedev is just stronger than almost everybody on tour mentally so i don't have any real concerns with him doing that uh, but I will, you know, I, I will say it's, it's definitely not uncommon at this event to have a guy just throw away a last set because he doesn't need it or last a match rather. Fair enough. I mean, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see which version of all these players we get tomorrow, considering the stakes and considering uh, the level of opponent on the other side of the net. Uh, before we get to those semis, guys, any quick thoughts on uh, the 400K dead rubber that's going on right now between Rublev and Zverev? My, my best advice would be don't bet on a match that doesn't mean anything to the guys playing it. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the the biggest thing with this event, um, you know. And I think tennis in general. And it sounds silly because we handicap all sorts of sports. I know Zico does. I do. And when you when you just start to talk about who wants it more, right? Especially football, you know. Oh, this team wants it more. It's like you sound like an idiot, and it a lot of times doesn't have any sort of deciding factor in the match or the game. But in tennis, it is paramount because the season is so long. These guys play so many matches. They make so much money. Um, and certain guys value certain tournaments more and certain you know milestones more. And a guy like Zverev right now is trying to boost his ranking really. you know That's the reason I'm on Zverev here is because I just think you have to figure out, okay, who really cares more? Um, and he's a guy that came into the year with a lot to make up because he got hurt uh, at Roland Garros. And I, I think that ultimately the 200 ranking points probably mean more to him than a guy like Rublev who's played so well over the last month and a half, who's just expended all his energy, uh, you know, scratching and clawing and getting himself into the top five for the first time. There is kind of more at stake here for Zverev. That's the only thing I would say, but to Zico's point, like it is just a fool's errand as I watch Zverev try to fight off break points against Rublev. Uh, you know, even though you think you might, you might know who, who, you know, it means more to, it might always not might not always go that way. So it's uh, it's it's definitely really tricky betting tennis. But uh, that's that's why we're the experts, right? We've we've gone through the failures. We know we've learned from failing, and uh, we'll hopefully continue to succeed. I just hope Rublev doesn't hurt himself. That's all I want. I want a good and healthy Rublev that doesn't injure himself or anything. Well, I, I was telling Mitch during uh, before before uh, we we went on air. I do remember, and Shapovalov is a big foot injury. He likes to hit his racket against his foot. Rublev was doing that too, and I believe one time Rublev broke his racket hitting his foot and got a code violation for racket abuse because, of course, you know if the racket breaks, that's the deciding factor for the umpire. Yeah. And I think the reason he hits himself is because he wants to avoid code violations, but then you're eventually going to like tear cartilage in your knee. Or so, something bad's going to happen the way he hits his knee. It, it's kind of ridiculous. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, fellas, here we go on Tennis Bets. Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohen, Mitch Michaels. Listen to the podcast, watch the show. We got semifinals to break down, and it's time to look at the odds. And they've shifted in one of the matches, but not both. Uh, semifinal match number one has shifted a little bit. Sinners now minus 145. It's come down a little bit. Medvedev plus 125. I know there's action to be had across the board. Zico starting with this match. Break down what you're thinking, what this line looked like. It opened at about center. 150 155 range how do you think the odds reflect what we're going to see tomorrow i played medvedev at plus 130 i'd still play him at plus 125 or plus 120 i think that it's a match that sinner can definitely win i mean he's beaten him two times in a row but at the same time you know it was five in a row for medvedev before sinner finally beat him they just played in vienna that match was like inches away from being medvedev 2-0ing sinner and I know that Sinner's playing at home here. He's going to have a little bit of extra adrenaline. But at the same time, there's a pressure that comes with that. And I just kind of think that they're both so good as servers that we'll probably see a tiebreaker, maybe two, maybe three. And I just don't really think that there's much that separates them. And I do think, Kenny just alluded to it, Medvedev's mentally tougher than anyone on the tour. 
Uh, he's a really good in-game adjuster. Uh, you know, we call him, what we call him the master strategist. I think I trust him saying- a little bit. Yeah, I think I trust him a little bit more to just kind of figure it out than Sinner, who I just think there's going to be a lot on his mind in this match. Well, you guys are going head to head, which I like to see because Kenny's on the center train and uh, I understand why this is you guys are making great points here and they've both beaten the other now that center's kind of gotten some headway in this rivalry. Kenny, it is the hot hand. It's at home in the conditions. I guess I understand why you're making this pick, but what's the deciding factor or is it a composite of all those elements? It is a composite, but I mean, the one thing I'll say again, going back to the 2019 uh, ATP finals where he lost from 5-1 up in the in the last set to to Rafa. And I mean, obviously it's Rafa, right? Rafa did the same thing to him at the Australian Open. But I think one thing that played a part in the Australian Open, the heat as well, was exhaustion. And no matter how mentally tough Medvedev is, I mean, it's very rare to see him lose from a position of advantage like or a place of advantage like, you know, he did in both of those matches to Rafa. I think the big thing in 2019 was he went into the ATB finals. He had played 86 matches. That was after the summer of Med when he won all those Masters and he went deep at the U.S. Open. And he said, you know, at the U.S. Open, even he was he was cramping and the crowd got him through the You know, he became a meme and really a, a, you know, a person in tennis after that, uh, we sort of got to know him very well. It's a similar thing here where you look at, you know, uh, Yannick Sinner, he, he's only played 74 matches this year. Medvedev's played now 83. I think that makes a big difference. And Sinner as well, pulling out uh, of of his last tournament of the year because it, it was past his bedtime. Um, it did kind of help him, right? He saved a lot of energy for this moment. You look at the way that he played the last time they had the ATP finals in Turin. He was a, a very, very slim favorite over Herbert Hurkacz. Absolutely dusted him in front of the home crowd as an alternate. Then comes out and, again, with no... Uh, way that he could make the semifinals still came out and played Medvedev really, really well in a match that meant nothing to either Um, three tight sets went to a final set tiebreak. He just wasn't as good as he was back then, but I remember very well watching that match from my bed um, that Yannick Sinner had the crowd in the palm of his hands. He definitely, uh, you know, fed off that energy and he found a level that was much higher than he ever thought he could have. And again, that was in 2021 when he was still losing to pretty bad players. Um, So I think, Knowing how well he's playing now and, you know, how comfortable he is at this event in this arena, in his home country, I have to go with Sinner here as the slim favorite. I just think Medvedev's exhausted. I just don't think he has he has really the 100% in the tank right now. And talking about Med and Novak playing this kid, you're going to have to have 100% to, to dig deep and and get past him. And for a guy like Daniel Medvedev, who's already won this event before, um, who's already you know, up to three in the world, feeling very good about his prospects of next year, okay. feeling very good about his year on ranking, all the money in the world from winning these grand slams or winning a grand slam going, you know, to the final of, of, of a grand slam just a few months ago. I, I think this is Sinner's night and I think he wins this match. Well, it's interesting because I do think Medvedev's comfortable being the villain. I also think Sinner's handled being the hometown favorite and some of the pressures that might come with that pretty beautifully. We haven't seen him crumble there. So, uh, and it's indoors where Sinner yeah. never loses really. And Medvedev was comfortable being the villain when he was mocking Sinner for limping and he still lost in straight sets. So, uh, you know, I don't, it, does that really matter? Novak was conducting an orchestra of the crowd lost in straight sets. I, it's great. You know, it's not like they're going to be uncomfortable, but yeah. I don't think it's going to get them across the finish it, line here. It is interesting. If it is Djokovic Medvedev, it's like the two villains match. It doesn't give us the, you know, the dichotomy we would like, but. We'll see. I mean, any one of these outcomes, any one of these combinations for a final would be great, in my opinion. Uh, the other match, which we know about, Djokovic-Alcaraz, this line has stayed pretty steady so far. 
Djokovic minus 155, Alcaraz plus 135. Zico, I know there is a bet that you like in this match. You didn't text me the odds, so you'll have to tell me that on the fly here. But the over-under in that one, you got it at 23 and a half? Yeah, it was 23 and a half minus 105. So the odds were shaded to the under a little bit. I just really didn't know what to make of this match. For the first time, like with these two playing, I don't have a strong stance on either side. Normally, I would say because they play each other so even, I would just take the underdog. But I don't know. I think that the most likely scenario is you get, yeah, like we said before, like you kind of get Djokovic red lines for a little. Alcaraz does it for a little. I don't know who it's going to matter to more in the end. But I do think we'll get a good set from both of them because I just kind of think that neither one of them wants to go down without a fight to the other. It is kind of, it's a new rivalry, but it's a rivalry that I think matters to both of them a lot. Kenny, before we get to your thoughts, and you know, you guys are on a synergy play here, both uh, either sprinkling or loving, depending on your you know level of enthusiasm on Carlitos on the money line. But this is a new iteration. This is something we haven't seen in this rivalry, indoor hard. How does that affect how you see this match and your betting strategy on it? Well, I think we look at the Wimbledon final and I think we look at the Madrid final or semifinal rather. And, you know, both of those in pretty fast conditions. I just think every time that Carlos Alcaraz has stepped on the court against Novak Djokovic, he's been better and he's lost twice. One, he cramped up at the French Open and the other time was in Cincinnati, which took probably the best level that we've seen from Novak Djokovic in the last two years. I think I, I'm curious if you guys agree with that. See, Mitch maybe agreeing with his with his facial expressions, but I really can't think of a better match that Djokovic has played. And that also really the mental warfare uh, really came into play in that Cincinnati final where, you know, Carlos was really outplaying Novak for a set and a half and just started to get frustrated with the amount of balls that Novak was, was able to get back, the amount of chances that Novak was able to generate. I thought that was the defining match of really the last three years that we've seen Novak. And we've seen him elevate his game to a place that I don't think we thought he was going to in his late 30s. And I, I just don't think how we've seen him look at this tournament, no matter how much he cares about beating Carlos, I don't think he's going to have that level in him uh, after a long season. And I know it's he, he skipped a lot of tournaments, but still, you know, for his age, it is a long season. He had to gruel uh, for and fight and claw to win a lot of these matches against top guys. I don't know if he's, if he's really producing that level right now, I certainly would not make him a favorite of this magnitude. Um, So I I think that I have to take Carlos here just again, given the fact that I really think he's been better than Djokovic and he's, we've all agreed that he's the favorite going into every one of these matches yet. Now he's the underdog and Oh, because he played a couple of bad matches here and there over the last couple of months, he's looked untrustworthy as Zico said, which I would agree with. I still, that's not enough for me to not take him at plus money here just given the way that the matchups have gone and it's just taken something extraordinary from Novak to beat him when Carlos has been on his game. And I don't think he has an extraordinary level in the tank right now. I really, I really don't think so. And I, I, you know, he can, we, we can distrust his saying, you know, his expressions and you know, that he doesn't care about this event. You can choose to believe he's lying. I just don't think that, that if he loses the Carlos here, he's not going to lose sleep over it because he knows he's going to see Carlos at least twice next year in huge matches. And I think that's what he's really focused on. I just don't think he's focused on the ATB finals right now. And I think on the other side of the spectrum, I think Carlos is very focused. I think he wants to rack up some ATB finals wins early in his career, just like Novak did when Novak was chasing after Rafa and Roger and they were all taking all the slams. 
And his ATP finals was his way of, of getting some points, getting some money and getting some titles on his mantle to say, okay, well, I'm just as good as these guys. Yeah. So it matters to Sinner. It matters to Alcaraz. I don't think it really matters to Djokovic quite as much. And I, that just marginal difference, I think makes all the, all the difference in the world for me in this matchup. Because like I said, ability wise right now, when both guys are at a hundred, it, it just seems like Alcaraz should be a minus 140 favorite at least every time. So I would take him as the underdog every time. Only push back on that best level. I don't know that I disagree, but he was pretty. He was on a pretty high level against Nick in that Wimbledon final, with Nick serving the way he was. I feel like Joker needed it there, but no, I he makes some good points there, and I do think the young dog trying to prove himself at this tournament is valid. It's not that Djokovic doesn't care; it's that it means more to some guys that want to prove it, especially when you know Djokovic, as Carlos said, Zico has owned the season, a deserved number one, winning the majors that he has. I just. I do think the over is like staring at us in the face in this one because there's yeah. a, there's a lot of momentum swings in their match. It, def- it definitely doesn't feel like it's going to be straightforward. I, I would yeah. say that. And and we've every time to Zico uh, to put a feather in Zico's cap. Well, I'm the only one wearing a cap here, but every time they've played it, it really like Carlos has gotten frustrated that he you know in every match and he's had to overcome that, but. Novak has certainly made life very difficult on him. And even a B plus Novak, I think wins a set in this match or at least forces a tie break. So uh, I think the over is a very smart play. I just, I'm going to go a little bit bolder and take, and take Carlos at the plus money. What's the stat? He, Carlos has been broken a lot early in the second set after winning the first. Like when I saw he plays in, a long first yes. set, he gets broken in the first but game of the second. I, that's happened to, I mean, that's happened to, if you go back to his win at the U S open two years ago, I mean, he, that fifth set he played against Marin Cilic. He went down a break early. He was obviously in all sorts of trouble against Sinner. Uh, early breaks. Like, he always goes down early breaks. And I, I, it's weird because we talk about it a lot with Carlos um, because I think he doesn't – he's never really on the brink of losing a lot. But we don't talk about it with Novak. Novak does the same thing. He's done it for five years. He always goes down a break in first sets, and, and he always finds a way to claw back to the point where it's a meme, where he's like minus 200 to win a set even when he goes down a break. Um, so I, I think that is a little bit of a, of a soft spot for Carlos, and I think that is something that could cost him a set here because – he, he, you know, for all the improvements that he's made on serve over the last few years to get to this level, Zico and I have talked about it privately. Um, you know, I, I may make it sound like we're like scathing Carlos. We're really not. But that is one of the areas that he still needs to improve is, is on his serve. He's not quite dominant enough like Novak has become with his spot serving to, to win matches running away and even win matches when he doesn't have his best level. So he is super young. So obviously it's going to get a lot better and it has gotten a lot better in the last two years. But if, you know, that if there is one thing to say, he might throw away a set, it, he might go down an early break and just never recover it with the way Novak serves on these fast courts. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you see how paramount it is even just yeah. to hit your spots. Like as long as you're hitting your spots every time, it doesn't matter how big you serve. You're going to ace on these courts. That's how fast they are. We saw it with Joker a lot too, um, hitting his spots as well. Center, another great example. So, there was a point in Alcaraz's match today. I mean, it's not even just the first the first game after. It's like there are just times where he gets really sloppy, and it's, it seems like all focus. And yeah, there was a there was a game today. I forget what it was in the second set where Paul Anacone is just like he's not hitting any of his spots right now. Like these are just lazy serves, and he's giving Medvedev a chance. Like that's kind of the story of him right now. Like that, like. Djokovic overcomes that. Alcaraz sometimes doesn't. 
Okay. Even in that first set too, we went down 15-30, I think a couple times. It it's definitely never never a clean and decisive win, but I think that's tennis. I mean, I mean, how many I I, I mean it, it's been a different story over the last two years, but how many of, of Novak's Grand Slam wins over the last five years have come completely clean with no weird results, no dropping a first set to Enzo Quaco, no hamstring injury, abdominal injury. And it's just the greats just always find a way to win these matches, and you're like, well, how did I mean, he looks beatable, right? Like, you know, Dominic, all these guys, right, in in years past. And it just, so that's, I mean, that, I think that, that actually speaks to how good Carlos is, uh, that Mm -hmm. he's just able to overcome all those, all those obstacles. He's on that level for sure. Um, Quick things before we wrap up here on tennis bets, two quick ones. I want to go around the room for this. Uh, Zico, we're going to do it. Call your shot. What's the final and who wins it? I will go center over Carlos in the final. Okay. We have an agreement here, Kenny? Yeah, center over Carlos. But that's why I'm backing center on Carlos tomorrow, and the coward is Zachary Cohen is not. So, uh, it's just, I mean, I, I, I think, I think we all know who's going to win these matches. Hedge it's City in the belt. It's only because, like, there are players on the tour where if they're matched up against one another, I'm going to take the underdog. And, like, it was kind of yesterday with – with Runa and Sinner, I was like, this line doesn't make any sense. Like, I know Runa you got you got to play the numbers at the end of the yeah. day. You know? So I took I took Runa to win a set, and I took him to win a money line. I, I lost one of them, but like these guys are just so evenly matched that you're just better off probably taking the underdog. In, so, if, in some if, cases, if the final is Joker Sinner, who would you guys back? Just out of curiosity, Joker. <laughs> Kenny's yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna I'm gonna back like, Novak there. I don't okay. think he's letting he gets to the final. If he gets to the final. <laughs> Then yes. All the Stop. Italian fans are going home angry. If, if, <laughs> that's good. Styles make fights. That's why that's why I like to ask these but questions. That, but that's a situation to me. I mean, we're talking about motivation factor with Novak. If he gets to a final in Italy against against Yannick, it's like, okay, well, my, my, in last match of the year, might as well. Might as might as well turn it on. Might as well make some kids cry today. I love it. No, that's that's a good point. Um, and then the last thing, and I know Kenny wants to talk about this, so we can go to him first. What new players will be at the 2024 ATP Finals? Could be zero, could be one, could be two or three. Remember, we got to you got to kick some players out though. There's the solid eight membership list. So, who's in next year? I'm gonna say Ben Shelton. That's that's uh, it's not, not a not a very shocking pick on my on my end, but the the way he played at two of the four slams this year and um you know and, and still managed to raise his ranking into the top 20 uh, and actually have a shot at at making the year end finals for a moment there before he ran into sinbot um i i think he's going to make the atb finals i think holger runa is not i mean we just didn't see a whole season of runa dominating we saw him kind of get get behind his tennis late but it was really not a good season for Runa. Um, so I, I think he is probably the odd man out when it comes to who's going to, who, whose spot he takes in the ATB finals. Um, I'm also going to say Karen Hatchinoff, and I think I'm going to get some agreement with Zach because we, we did talk about how Karen should be way better. Um, the fact of the matter is this guy still finished. 15 in the world for basically not playing tennis over the last three months. He's just been that consistent at the grand slams and for, for how well Rublev has played. I just think his time is coming where he just sort of has that moment where he's, he has that city pass moment where he realizes that he's just capped. I think this is his cap. I think he's never going to get higher than five in the world. I love him. I love his game, but he always, he just always has trouble against the elite players. He just doesn't have the level to, to, to really beat them. So if we're going to kick another guy out, I'm going to kick out Rublev for his, his fellow countryman, Karen Hatchinoff. And he's going to have a big, big season next year because he's been very disrespected for many years 
And the last two years, he's been one of the best, most consistent players on tour. And consistency is what's ultimately going to get you to the ATP finals. He's going to earn a lot of ranking points in the big tournaments, going to go to semis at a couple of uh, masters. And I think he gets in over Rublev. So, I, you know, I, I know people are probably going to say, they expect me to say Sitsipas or Zverev are the odd men out. I think Runa and Rublev, and I think okay. uh, I think we see Karen and and uh, the the big cannon that is Ben Shelton, who's going to okay. have an excellent 2024. So Russian exchange, Rublev's four-year streak comes to an end. Ben Shelton, okay. Zico, how do you see it going? This kind of stems, by the way, from me saying that I think Karen's odds at 80 to one to win Wimbledon are crazy, but I have a. Really I don't think he's going to win Wimbledon. Now. I, I don't think he is. I just think like he has the game to make a run there. Like, I, it just wouldn't shock me. But I, my um, boring answer is Dimitrov. I just thought that towards the end of the season, he was playing at, like, a, really close to a top-five level. And I just don't think, you know, I, I think that you could trust him to, to maintain that over the course of an entire year. If I had to pick someone to drop out, I think I think Rublev's a good pick. And I think Steph's, I think Steph's just, there's something missing now. I don't know. Like, I like to go into this tournament. There's obviously some injury, but there's, there's not the same mentality. Like, I don't even think he's pulled any of his on-court antics anymore. Like, he doesn't even care enough to try to piss off his opponents, which he used to. Like, where is the passion? Where are the bathroom breaks? The, the one thing I – the one counter to that is I think Steph is almost like Grigor now where he only has – you know, Grigor has, like, four good tournaments a year. And when you're like, holy F, like, how, how – where has this guy been? How good is this guy playing? I think Steph has a lot of that now where you look back at the year and you're like, well, where did all his ranking points come from? And like, okay, well, he just absolutely yeah. turned it on for like six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And then there were other times where he lost in the first round of a Masters to like, you know, Boric or, you know, whatever, like Sebastian Offner. I mean, he hadn't lose to these guys, but you get my point. It's like, I think that's, I think Steph is going to win enough of the big tournaments and and do well enough at, at like four or five big tournaments to get enough points. But um, I think there is a lot of consistency missing. And the way he got here was his consistency. He was just so good at the 500, so yep. good at the, at the, at the masters. He was there week in, week out, really not having a lot of bad losses. So that definitely could ri- put his spot here at risk. Um, but you know, if, if we're going to kick another guy out, we might as well say that uh, Jack Draper is going to make the ATP finals. Okay. That, that's coming. Okay. So, should I, so I was going to say Rafa. No. <laughs> I mean, joke. it's not the, Rafa, Rafa's not the craziest one. I, no. One of my predictions for next year is Casper's yeah. going back to the French Open final again. Okay. Let's do it another time. <laughs> Although Kenny's come around on Casper. I think he's come down on some other people for not being he interested. <laughs> I'm not I don't I'm not on Casper on clay anymore. I don't I'm not. I don't think he I don't think he's a good clay player anymore. I really don't. I think he's much better yeah. because he relies so much on his serve his one two and mm-hmm. his serve has improved so drastically over the last 3 years. I don't think he's a I really don't think he's going to be a threat on clay. I mean, I think you look at guys like even Sitsipas, Runa is so much better on clay. Yeah, like Sinner gets worse on clay and like maybe there's a way in for for Rude, you know, in that sense. But I think there's way too many guys that just play well on on slow surfaces. Um, Runa specifically, like I think Runa is a it's going to be a big obstacle for Rude getting to the the French Open finals if they find themselves in the same quarter, which they seem they're to always, all the time. Always in the same quarter. <laughs> yeah, like, Rune, not... I think we look at the honestly, you look at the performance of Runa, and he had a great indoor season last year. Obviously, beat Novak in the Paris final. It was an incredible achievement. The Paris courts are kind of slow. He did have good hard court results, but like the sum of the parts right now for Runa in his young career is he's been way better on slow surfaces, way better. And he's just not been as good on fast surfaces. 
My boring answer would be Hubie in Rubavout. That'd be my answer. That, that's not a bad one either. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just don't know if he can play any better than he did this year. True. I mean, maybe he could play a little cleaner and, and have more energy left if he just gets off the he, court. He does work. also, aside from Wimbledon, you know, where he he always he, he is very good at relying on his obviously he's really relying on his serve and he's good on those courts. Like I mean, he's never had a good run at the US Open. Australia's never been his place either. And he's never a good clay player. So if you're talking about like chunks of points, I think there's big chunks missing. And I, I you know, it, it's a similar thing to Steph, where it's like sometimes guys just there are just some slams where they're just they're, they they can't get it done. Um, and I, I think that's one of those situations where like I don't think he's ever gonna make. I mean, not ever, but I don't think next year you can count on him making two semifinal runs at slams like you might be able to for some of these other players. It's a good point. All right, fellas, this was fun. Tennis bets capping off the 2023 season in style. Thanks to both you gentlemen, all of our other guests this year for coming on the Thank show. Thank you, Mitch. Thank hey, you. It's been fun. And we're in the offseason short. We might pop in in December for a little bit, but the season will be here before we know it. It's the longest season in all of sports. Uh, for and we still got challengers and Davis Cup. But no Dan it. Evans, unfortunately. At the Dave. They, uh, their only reason I, I watch Davis Cup yeah. is for Dan Evans. Challengers, Davis Cup, Next Gen, lots of stuff. Uh, for Kenny Ducey and Zachary Cohn, my name is Mitch Michaels. Check out the show on the podcast form as well. And uh, watch all the archives on YouTube, Twitter, and on Facebook as well. Until next time, this was Tennis Bets. Thanks for watching, and uh, good luck making money on tennis. 